Thank you so much for tuning in to this message from New Life Church. Stay tuned because what you'll hear this morning is guaranteed to help you know Jesus better. And the thing when it comes to weather, it's really interesting because with weather, you really have like, you have no control over the elements, if you think about it. Like we, as a family, we recently went to Dallas. And when we went to Dallas, um, it, we're heading down there and it just started raining unlike any rain I've ever driven through in my life. Okay, like it was, it honestly, it felt like there was someone standing on top of the car with just like unlimited buckets, just doing this all the time. And, and what you do in that situation, there's, there's not a lot you can do, but you try to fight the elements as you're driving, right? So you'll do things like you'll make sure that like your, your lights are on, which mine weren't, and so I turned those on. Then you, you turn up your wipers and you make sure that they're going as fast as they can, and it just doesn't seem, it seems like they're just going to jump off, and you pray to God they don't, but they're just going as fast as they can. When I drive, I, I like to keep my hand right here on the wheel because I'm really cool. Um, but so when it's raining, like I got both hands on, leaning over like this. You know, my knuckles are turning white. I, I even I bring a pair of glasses so that like I can see through the rain. And so I've got my glasses on. And, and it's like when, when the rain's really bad, it's like moderately dangerous. Like that's when your kids like to ask the dumbest questions. <laughs> They did not care how close we were to our, like, where we were going until it started raining really hard. And then, man, that's all they, and so you're like, stop talking! Like, and it's like, you know, you're losing your mind. And then you do that thing where you're like, maybe to see better, I'll just turn down the volume in my radio. And so you do that. <laughs> and, and all you're doing is you're trying to fight the elements, but what's the truth? The truth is, like, there's, it's, as hard as you try, there's nothing you can do to stop the rain. Because we just don't have the power over, over, over nature. And if we tried to act like we did, we'd look really silly. And the text we're looking at this morning in Mark's gospel, it shows us that when it comes to nature, Jesus is different than us. And Jesus is so different than us that he actually has the power to deal with nature in a way that we, we can't. And let's take a look at here. It's Mark's gospel, chapter 4, verse 35. It says this, On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they, they, they took with him in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. So here we have this storm that Jesus is, is getting in a boat, traveling. He's, he's been teaching all, like, kind of all day, and he's like, okay, now it's time for me to move on. And so what he decides to do, he's like, I'm going to cross over and go to the other side of the lake. It's a journey that would have been probably about 7 to 11 miles, depending on where they were located. By boat, it's a journey that would have probably taken about two hours. And as they go across the lake, they are caught in a storm. And just a little interesting detail that you see here in the text that is worth pointing out, just kind of to show you what Mark is trying to communicate, is that little detail where it says there were other boats with him. It doesn't seem like much. It's kind of a little afterthought. But what, why, the reason why Mark put it there is he wants you to see that he's not writing a fable, that he's not, getting, he's not telling you a tall tale, that this isn't fiction. And the reason why, because that is a detail that does nothing to the story moving forward. The fact that there were other boats there, that's just a detail to say this was an eyewitness account of what happened. And historically, it makes a lot of sense because what Mark is saying from a historical perspective, Mark was the first gospel that was in circulation. And he's saying, if you don't believe what I'm getting ready to tell you, 
there were other boats there who would be able to verify the details of the story. So we think this is, this is something that's significant. And the big part of this story is the storm that they're getting ready to face. And if you look at this and just kind of give a cursory glance to the, the storm, if you're like me, you kind of don't think it's that big of a deal. I know that for me, I think of, honestly, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Top Gun movie. If you haven't, you really should. And there's that scene in the new Top Gun movie where they're out there sailing. And you're like, it looks dangerous, but then they just pull up the sail and everything's okay. That's kind of the image that I have in my mind of this storm. Like, it's really not that big of a deal that they're just kind of sailing and then everything's okay. But, but that's not the picture that Mark is, is painting here. The picture that Mark is painting here is one that... This is a storm that if they don't deal with it, there's a good chance that everyone in the boat's going to die. That the sea they're sailing across is the Sea of Galilee. <clears throat> and the Sea of Galilee is located at the bottom of, like, of, of a mountain. And so what would happen is that these windstorms, without any warning, would come down the mountain. And they were, they were so intense that sailors, what they did is they would do everything they could to avoid the storm. So most fishing was done at night because they, they knew that, that the windstorms would happen during the day. So here they are sailing at night, which is not uncommon, but what is uncommon is the fact that there is a great windstorm coming, and usually these things come in the afternoon. They did not expect it. They didn't see it coming. And because and it's a windstorm, you can't really predict it. You can't see it happening, but it just starts coming. And just to give you like a picture of what it was like from the book Land, where it talks about geography in Palestine, it says that the Sea of Galilee is famous for sudden storms, which blow down from the surrounding mountains and transform it into a boiling cauldron. That this is something that every sailor would go out of their way to avoid. And yet here they are in the middle of it. The boat is filling with water. And there are two responses. There's Jesus' response, and then there's the response of his disciples. Let's look at Jesus' response first, verse 38. It says, but he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Again, that's another one of those details that isn't needed where it says he's on the cushion doesn't add anything to the story. It's just Mark's way of saying this happened. And, and it's, it, I think it's interesting because it shows us how Jesus is like us. He gets tired and he goes to sleep. He likes to lay on something soft. He is human just like we are. And, and it, it, you kind of think about it and you're like, man, how is this dude able to sleep through this? Well, one, he's, he's somewhat shielded from the elements that in the boat there would have been the stern and had been a little lip that would have covered over, like kind of covered over him and he would have been kind of nestled underneath there. So he's a little bit protected from the elements, but he's able to sleep because he's tired. And, and I think about it like, like for me, I teach three times on Sunday, so that today I will teach three times. I've got party with the pastor after this and then I have a board meeting after this today. So like, and what I have discovered is that there is just like a special tired that I experience called Sunday afternoon tired. That if I want to take a nap, I have to leave the TV on because if I don't leave the TV on, I am not coming out of that sleep. So, so like that, I mean, I, I, can, I can relate. Like I, can, I know what it feels like to be tired. 
Well, Jesus, like he experiences that to the nth degree here. That he's not been teaching for three services, he's been teaching all day. That the crowds are pushing up on him in a way that he actually has to teach from a boat. Because if he's not on the boats, they will overwhelm him. That they want from Jesus, literally, everything that he will offer, they are there trying to get it. So yeah, he's tired. He's exhausted. This storm that is going to kill them doesn't even wake him up because he is that spent from doing the work that God has called him to do. And I think he's also able to sleep because there's a sense in his heart. He knows how the story ends and he knows he's not going to die in a storm. He knows that the kingdom of God coming into the world that isn't going to it's not going to end in a storm, but he knows it's going to end on a cross. But so he's able to sit there and he's able to sleep. He's able to rest. But then you see the disciples' response. And it, it is a response that couldn't have been any more different. Look, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? We're perishing. Which is interesting. I mean, I read a quote about this sermon, like, or about this, like, text, and I thought it was funny. It's like, the son of man, he was so human that he even submits himself to the rudeness of man. Like, have you ever been woken up from a nap? That's rude. <laughs> like, here he is sleeping, and, and it's rude. And it's kind of funny to me because it, what they say, like, they're not waking him up being like, hey, dude, you want to grab a bucket and, like, help us out? hey, Jesus, I know you got some power. Like, would you be willing to like maybe use that power to kind of get us? No. What do they wake him up and say? Hey, why do you want us to die? Like, that, that's what they say. Like, how rude is it? He's like, I was just sleeping, man. Come on. And, and, and they really, like, they would know. Like, I think we get this picture of these guys. And again, like, these are fishermen. They've been on the water before. They, they know the difference between a bad storm and a not bad storm. This isn't me on the boat freaking out because of a little bit of waves. These are guys who are like, you know, I know a guy who didn't come back from one of these. Like, that's what they're experiencing. And they're saying, Jesus, don't you care? And then Jesus gets up. So you have this on the one hand. You have Jesus just like us. He works hard and he gets tired and he wants to lay on a cushion. But then you have Jesus do something that we could never do. And that's why those details are important because what Mark wants you to know is he's saying, I'm not saying that what's about ready to happen is a fable. I put this in here because I want you to know that this is something that Jesus actually did. And this is what he did. He awoke. I wonder if like he got up and he's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know, probably not. Um, <laughs> he, he, like in heaven, Jesus is like, why did you do that? He awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. It's interesting that word where it says, it says there's a great calm. It's the same word that it says there was a great storm. And what Mark wants you to see is he wants you to see that the calm was as great as the storm. And how did he get there? Jesus. And it's so interesting because there's just three little phrases there. He awoke, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, and what Mark wrote, he wrote this in this way to show us 
how effortless it was for Jesus to speak to the sea. I mean, notice, he doesn't, like, pray to God. He doesn't, like, pull up some, like, magic rock out of his pocket and throw it in the water. Like, he, he gets up, and he talks to the wind, and he talks to the sea, which wouldn't be crazy except the fact that the wind and the sea listen to him when he talks to them. And what, what, what Mark wants us to see, the same power that God used to speak the world into existence is the power that's available to Jesus here. That Jesus operates just like God in that his words can speak to nature. That his words can calm the storm. That, that he is able to do what God can do. And what he's really, what Mark wants us to see is he wants us to see that that's because Jesus is God. Because he does things that God does. So he rebukes it. There's this great calm. That's kind of where it, it gets. And as you get to this point, this would be a great place for the story to end. Like it would make sense if the story ended here. Like you've got a storm, the storm is gone, Jesus spoke, you have this miracle. But the thing is, it doesn't end. That <laughs> The storm isn't the only thing that Jesus feels like he needs to rebuke in this story. It's interesting, look. And, they said, and he said to them, he says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Like there, there's this sense of like, oh my, oh my. <laughs> that it, as great as the storm, as great as the calm, now you see how great the fear is that these guys are experiencing. Why are they afraid? Well, they have this storm that is powerful powerful enough to kill them, and they're kind of sitting there in the boat, and what they realize is what we all know is that they have no control over the storm. And now here they have Jesus, who they've discovered has more power than the storm, and they have even less power to control Jesus than they had over the storm. And even in this sense, like, he seems a little mad at them, There's got to be this sense amongst the disciples where they're like, so what did we get ourselves into here? Like, this is a guy that the wind and the sea obey him. And then you kind of look at his rebuke. What is he calling them out for? Part of what he's calling them out for is this idea where he's like, don't you realize? Haven't you seen enough? to know that I'm not going to let you die like that? I mean, think about it. Jesus comes into the, into, the, like, into the world, his message starts in Mark chapter 1, and what is his message? The kingdom of God is at hand. Man, if the kingdom of God is at hand, it seems like a very strange way for him to die in a boat with his buddies, right? That in Mark chapter 2, you see Jesus heal someone who is Paralyzed. And not only does he heal someone who's paralyzed, but he says to him, his sins are forgiven, saying, I've got the power to forgive people of their sins. And then as the, this, the text goes forward, as you think about things that Mark does, Mark shows us that Jesus did. Jesus, he cast out demons. 
<laughs> that he said that he called himself the Lord of the Sabbath, that kind of what Jesus, the essence of his rebuke, part of it is like, he's saying, you know, you know enough about me to know that I'm not gonna, we're not gonna, this isn't, this isn't how the story ends. He's like, you, you should know better. And I think some of us, like, like, that's where we're at with our relationship with God. Like, this storm is really important. It's kind of a metaphor for our life because what God wants you to see is he wants you to see, man, you should know better. Like, you should know that just because something hard is happening doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. You know that. That some of you, maybe it means that, like, hey, you, you know. You know that God wants you to stop doing that thing. Like, you know better. That some of that's what he's, he's calling them out for. But as you, as you come to this text, there's all kinds of different places that you can, that you can land. That I, I really love this, this text. This is actually the text that I use for funerals because I think it's really like, incredible, the idea of Jesus sleeping in the midst of storms. But the question is, okay, so but what do you do with it for us today? And as I, as I was just thinking about it, kind of processing it in my mind, like, I, I can't shake the fact that Jesus was able to sleep on the boat. That in the middle of the storm, Jesus is able to rest. And I think what we need to see from this text is that you can rest too when you trust Jesus. Some of you are here this morning and your heart is restless. The worries of the world are just like weighing super heavily on you right now. You do that thing where you just, can, you just sit there and you think of all the things that could go wrong and for whatever reason, it's kind of like put you in a stir. What this text shows is it shows us that you can rest when you trust Jesus. And, and, but even when you think about the text, like, just like a cursory glance of it, it is an interesting thing that happens. Like you come to Jesus here where he, he rebukes them. Like, and it's, it's interesting. If you just kind of like you're going through and you glance over it, like in verse 40 where he says to them and he rebukes them, he says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Like I, I, you read that and kind of it's like, well, my first thought when I see that is like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're afraid because of the storm. Right? Like, maybe they're afraid because, like, the boat's, like, filling up with water and, like, they don't know what to do. Like, why are you so afraid? Like, that, but it's not the fact they woke him up that he's rebuking them. It's, it's what they said to him when they woke him up. There was no, like, hey, Jesus, will you help me? Hey, Jesus, would you get a bucket? Hey, Jesus, with your power, could you calm this down? No, no. What does Jesus say when he wakes him up? Or what do they say to Jesus when they wake him up? This is what he says. They said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So basically they're saying to Jesus, Jesus, if you really loved me, you wouldn't let me go through the storm." If you really cared about me, you wouldn't let this happen. 
And Jesus rebukes them because that's never a promise that he made. And even if you think about this text, why'd they go to the other side of the lake? It's because Jesus told them to go over to the other side of the lake. Sometimes what God does is he sends us through the storm because he wants us to go through the storm. And as hard as it is, the promise of Scripture isn't like, hey, in this sinful world where you are, I'm going to remove everything that's hard for you. No, the promise of God is that in this sinful, broken world where things are difficult, he's going to be with you through it all. And whether or not he absolutely cares and I think that that's his frustration. His frustration is because they're looking at this situation. And they're saying, because things are difficult, surely God must not care about me. And I would just imagine that if you're here and you're feeling restless, probably part of the reason is because there's something in your heart. There's some storm in your life. And because it's there, maybe you know the word of God, you believe that he loves you, but there's just something about you that's like, I, I just don't think he cares because surely if he cared, he wouldn't let me experience this. And if that's what you're going through, if that's where your mind is at, I kind of imagine that Jesus, if you were to sit across the table from him and you were to be like, hey, help me with this. I kind of imagine what Jesus would say to you is he would look you in the eyes and he would lovingly say, I never promised you there wouldn't be any storms. I promised I'd be with you through them all. Storm doesn't, and the storms in your life don't reveal whether or not I care. But there's another place that you can look and you can know confidently that I do care. And Tim Keller says it this way, and he, he mentions this in, in his sermon that he preached on this text, and he talks about how it's really interesting that there are a lot of similarities between Jonah and the great fish and this text. And what he thinks, he thinks that what Mark's doing is he's trying to draw us to a a conclusion. And just I want to sh share with you, these are some of the, the things that are similar. That both Jesus and Jonah are out on the sea in a boat. That both are overtaken by a storm. That both Jesus and Jonah, in the middle of the storm, are asleep on the ship. That both are awakened by the people saying they're perishing. And it's really interesting because the same word in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's the same word that they use in Mark's gospel, the same word for perishing. They both are asked to do something, and they both see a miraculous intervention by God where the sea is steeled. And then in both, in both stories, the sailors are even more terrified after the miracle happens. And, and, and so it's, it's interesting. Like, it's very, there are the similarities there, but there's one, like, really, really big difference, right? Like, Jonah's thrown overboard. And Jesus gets up and he calms the storm. But eventually Jesus is thrown overboard. But in Matthew's gospel, Jesus actually refers to himself as the true Jonah. And the reason why he does is because at the end of Mark's gospel, what's going to happen is Jesus is going to be confronted with the cross. And when he's confronted with the cross, Jesus walks right into it. He walks right into the storm. 
And what he does is he satisfies the one storm that could actually sink you and me. That what Mark wants us to see, the whole question is about do you not care? If he was willing to walk into the storm like that for us, you could never say he doesn't care. That he conquers the one thing that can actually sink you and me. And he does it because he cares, because he loves, because he wants to give us life. But the question that you have to ask yourself is, am I willing to put my trust in the fact that he did that? And if you can, then you can rest because no storm will truly be able to sink you. In the same way that he's able to sleep on the boat, when the storms of life come in, you're able to rest because you got something stronger anchoring you. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, we're thankful for the hope that is ours. God, we're thankful that we can trust you in the midst of the storms of life and that, God, you are really good. And I just pray this morning as we kind of process this message and we process the storm. Maybe there are people in this room and the, the reality, maybe they're watching online and the reality of their situation is that they feel sunk. God, would you help them to experience your peace? God, would you help them to experience your joy? Would you help them to know what's available to them in Christ? Would you help them in the middle of their storms to know that you are present, that you are with them, that you care? And God, if there's anyone, anyone who, who, who's hearing the sound of my voice and the reality of their situation is they don't know the gospel. They haven't been transformed by the love of Christ. And I pray by the power of your spirit in this moment that you would make them aware of the beauty of what you did for them. And that God, you'd help them to respond in faith by putting their trust in what you did for them, Jesus. We thank you, God, and we trust you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in to this message from New Life Church this morning. If you'd like any more information, you can check us out at nlspringfield.com.